All right, we are back to podcast. This is homecoming week. And I uh, hope everybody's had a good week. And the Lord has blessed you. Uh, and we're looking forward to Sunday. Sunday is uh, coming up, homecoming. We'll be at the venue. Um, do ask for your feedback. It's a possible uh, place of relocation for us. I want to see... We wanted to try it out at homecoming. Brother Kevin found it, and um, and um, we we want to give it a shot and see uh, how we like it. And it's it's absolutely a possible uh, relocation place that would be uh, be hours hours every day. About the only time the building is utilized. Um, According to the owner, is is on a Friday and Saturday evenings, so it would be available for our Wednesdays and our Sundays, um, revival meetings, things like that, and uh, Bible schools in the summer. A lot, lot we'd be able to do with that. So let's pray about that, and um, I invite your input. Uh, it is our, it's a church, it's our church, your church, um, and. I do invite your input on the matter, uh, but it is, again, it's a possible uh, permanent site for us, or, or not necessarily permanent, but for the time being, um, a relocation site. So just be in prayer about that. Hebrews 7, rolling right along in Hebrews, continuing on the Melchizedek. In fact, this is a an entire chapter on the Melchizedek issue and identifying him as being a type of Christ. And it's important. It's, it's why, why Melchizedek? In the middle of this great book of Hebrews, what, what is the issue with him? Why, why, what is the big deal, I guess you could say? Well, it's, number one, it's the Word of God. But why, did, why does God deem it such a necessary issue as to include so much about Melchizedek here in the uh, the book of Hebrews. Well, again, it's it's all about context, and remember the context of Hebrews. Hebrews is written to Hebrew Jewish believers who are under extreme persecution for the faith, and so the entire book is essentially a comparison between between you know being a Jew practicing uh, Judaism practicing the law practicing the priesthood and Christianity and it's important this is extremely important to um, to you and I especially in in the Genesis studies as well it's amazing how uh, the Hebrews and the Genesis studies are tying in together. In Hebrews, we're addressing Abraham. We're in the middle of Abraham's life. Well, that's where this is all starting at. And I remember, and I've said it a couple of times, I remember I was in the mountains. I was pastoring there, actually. I, wanted, I couldn't remember. Back then, I subscribed to some of the news magazines. Now, I don't. They're, they went too far, too far Marxist, socialistic, leftist, um, 
but back then you could get some reasonable coverage, uh, especially from Time, Newsweek. I, I ended up canceling while I was still there, but I can't remember if it was Time or Newsweek. But one of the one of those uh, news magazines had a cover story, and it was on Abraham, their perspective of Abraham, and it said the father of three faiths. Well. That's false in a way, but all three religions, and then again, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship, but all three, let's say, faiths can trace what they believe back to Abraham. So to a degree, it is a reality, um, but in, in truth and in what the truths are of the Word of God, it's 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 not that he's the father, but... Having said that, he did father Ishmael. Ishmael, of course, uh, was essentially the beginning of the Arab and the Muslim race. He establishes um, covenants with the Jewish people, or God establishes covenants with the Jewish people through Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant. Um, the sacrifices, all of all of that would be in the Jew, Jewish economy. So the Jews claim right to him as well. But then we as Christians, um, in fact, our kinship to him is, it's, I don't want to say it's, it's just different. Let's put it like that. Of course, he's a picture of God the Father at times. He's a picture of Christ at times. I say God the Father because... Um, Isaac in Genesis 22 is a is a great picture of Christ. Now, Joseph's perhaps the greatest picture of Christ um, in in the scriptures, but Isaac in Genesis 22 serves as one as well. Um, he just does it much in the rest of his life. Isaac, we'll get to Isaac in the Genesis study, but he he's probably the least of the patriarchs just to be be honest with you and how his his life turned out but in genesis 22 of the sacrifice of isaac he is ex- extremely relevant to what we believe and that's in christ and in the sacrifice of christ and so when abraham uh takes him to the to mount moriah and 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 offers him as a sacrifice. That's the perfect picture of God the Father and the sacrifice of His Son Jesus Christ. Now, I've said all of that to say this: as we go into this chapter seven in the entire chapters on Melchizedek, what's what's the issue there? What's the pertinence there? Well, it's the fact that we are being shown, taught, demonstrated a new and a living way, okay? And I got into a little bit on Sunday. It's the fact that we don't, we we are kings and priests, okay? I'm going to deal with that here in a few weeks, uh, most likely dealing with the priesthood of the believer, uh, as we get in, continue on these doctrinal heavy messages. So, 
the effort being made here is Melchizedek would have been a, a priest and he he does so much. He offers sacrifices and tithes are offered to him and so forth. Well, you and I as Christians are now being made kings and priests. So we got to have a great high priest because we're not great high priests. Okay, we're not high priests. We're not the great high priest. And therein lies the difference in Christ and the great and and the high priest of the Old Testament. You would have the priests, but then you would have the high priest, and he would be the one to make the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of Israel to atone, to atone, okay? Not to do away with, but to, to atone. Well, Christ now is our great high priest, the great high priest. So no longer do we need a priest to be above us other than him. So that's why it's important to understand that we are kings and priests. So let's go in chapter 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, remember Salem, Salem uh, is, this is again why he's such a beautiful picture of Christ because Salem is where Israel or Jerusalem uh, would would be derived from this is the the root word of it. Um, so the Bible says he's the uh, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of kings and blessed him. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. So let me stop and teach that a minute. I said it. That's a pertinent verse. What do you mean? Well. It's a pertinent verse because that verse teaches us is Abraham is tithing. Now, to address the tithe, I've heard people say tithe was part of the law. Well, the law has not been established yet, yet Abraham is tithing to Melchizedek in this in this chapter. So what about giving? Well, I will say this. If, if, if we tithed, Tenth, and that's what all that's all it means is a tenth. If we give a tenth under the law, how much should we give under grace? I'm a personal believer in grace giving, what what would be phrased grace giving. And that means that it's not limited to a tithe. Uh it's not limited to a tenth. I've seen carnal people get out a calculator and calculate their pay down to the blooming penny. And I, if if honestly, if that's how you look at it, you got a heart problem. You've got a heart problem. Give, just be a cheerful giver in God. What well, God has blessed my life because I give. I've given sacrificially when I didn't have, and I, I give. I give when I do have, and so. Just be a cheerful giver, and God will bless your life as a result. But we find that Abraham gives a tithe to uh, Melchizedek, the king of Salem. Okay, Verse 3, chapter 7, verse 3, Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. All right. What I taught that last said, God's just reiterating this. Now, 
Consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily, they that are the sons of Levi, who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to give, to take tithes of the people according to the law that is their brethren, although they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promise. Without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Okay, the less is blessed of the better. That's a good verse. So, uh, and here are men that die receive tithes, but here there he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he liveth. And as I say, as I may so say, Levi also who receiveth tithes paid tithes into in Abraham, for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Okay. Um, go to verse... Well, it's just, it's just, we'll, we'll go through this chapter quickly and then may, we may get into chapter 8 uh, because I want to get into some practical material. Um, verse 11. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there? that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek, not be called after the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood, and it is yet far more evident, for that after the similitude of Melchizedek there ariseth another priest, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. So, this is all being said. I know it seems wordy. I know it seems very lawy, because <laughs> I know folks don't like Leviticus and Deuteronomy and, and their studies, and I know how all of this seems and reads and comes off, but there is a reason for it. There's a reason for God putting it there, and therefore there's a reason for us to teach it. And that is the fact of, of telling us how much better Christ is than the law. Now, we know that, but the betterment of Christ for us is better than, than an old life, better than anything we've ever lived and better than anything we've ever experienced. And and I I, I just want to, just let me testify a minute, okay? I try to walk with God. I do. I love Him and, and thank God for Him, and for what He's done in my life, for loving me as He's loved me. But I'm going to tell you the truth. Here lately, just, and maybe it's reflected in my preaching. The Lord has blessed and been so good to me. And it's almost as if I've drawn even closer to Him probably than I ever have been. You know, and I, you know, I know I talk about walking with Him, you know, through the years and my time in the mountains. And, and I've always tried to walk, but, but it's almost as of lately. I, he's allowed my walk. He's, he's made me yearn for him, love him. And that's what this teaching on Hebrews is about, is to uh, drive you, to give you a thirst and a hunger and a yearn to love him and to fall deeper in love with him 
than you've ever been. And it'll, that'll take care of a lot of our issues if we just love Jesus like we should. Okay, verse 21. For those priests were made without an oath, but with this an oath by him that saith unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. So now therein lies the New Testament. The term testament just means covenant. So God had an old covenant with us through the Jew, and he's He's got a better covenant with us. That's what it says. Uh, surety of a better covenant um, in Jesus. So the Bible's saying the new and living way, the the faith in Jesus Jesus being the great high priest, our relationship being with Jesus is better than the old covenant. And I can agree and attest to that. It's how much better he is. You know, one thing about the validity of scriptures, it's a Jewish book, especially the Old Testament, is the Jew is the star of the show outside of God and Jesus, okay? And through the scriptures, the Jews typically portrayed in a in a very uh, in, in a way that is not very becoming, and not very becoming at all. And Gentiles are usually presented in a in a better fashion often. Now that lends to the validity because anytime someone writes a book, and I, I enjoy some fiction, I've read some fiction as of late. The um, the protagonist or the hero, um, I always hear good about him, not typically flawed. And in this, in this book, the Bible, the Jews, whom the, the story's about other than God and Christ, we see they're bad. We see where they are. They, we see um, where the reality is. And then the the Gentiles is made and look looks in a in a greater light, and so that's that's the beauty of chapter seven is 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 it's explaining to us how much better Christ is than anything else. Verse twenty three, and they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death, but this man because he continueth ever hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost. There's you a good verse. Save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing ye ever liveth to make it the intercession for him. Suck for them. So that's a great verse. I know a lot of times um, in, in some of these uh, lessons, especially in Hebrews, you get into the law, you get into the priesthood. It seems a little slower. Um, and the reality is this. It picks up business right here in this verse. Look. But this man, he continueth forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost. How about that? I've got an old saying, from the guttermost to the uttermost. Save us from the lowest place to the highest place possible. That's what God does for us. 
He saves us from the lowest common denominator that we could possibly be to the uttermost. And look at what it says. Where uh, that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make the intercession for them. So he lives forever now. He'll never die. All the other priests died. All the other priests uh, were men. Um, all the other pr priests, ladies and gentlemen, had to make atonement for their own sins and ask for forgiveness for their own sins. But the reality is this. Christ did not have to do that. He has... He has established and he's ever living to make intercession for you and I that come to God by him. So I've got a message called Some, Somebody's Praying for You. So uh, he, he's always making prayer for us. He's, he's praying that, that God bless us and we're saved to the very end. That's what the Bible's teaching. And then it goes on. Verse 26, for such an high priest became us, who is who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. No other priest could say that. No great high, no high priest could say that under the economy of Old Testament. But that's him. He can say that. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins. You see that? He doesn't have to offer up a sacrifice for his sins. And then for the peoples, for this he did once. He only had to do it one time. So therein lies our answer to chapter 6 when it seems like folks believe that you could lose your salvation. No, you can't lose your salvation. He doesn't have to die but once. Once for all. That's what it's teaching. Look at there. And then for the peoples, for he died once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priest, which have infirmity, but the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh the Son, who is consecrated forever. So there's very, very, very good text there in teaching us the difference in Christ and the other the Old Testament priest. It's the fact that he didn't have to offer sin for himself. He only had to do it once. He didn't have to do it daily. He doesn't have to do it yearly. One time, once forever, is how he offered up sacrifice for sins. And that's that's a beautiful thing. It was it it it's such a beautiful teaching. And you and I can appreciate that. We can appreciate that. But to be a Jew a Jew under the Old Testament economy. To be a Jew under the Hebrew way of life and then to be told and taught that, it's revolutionary. It's revolutionary to them because they don't have to live by the law. They don't have to offer up the priesthood anymore. They have that in him. All right, chapter 8. Let's jump into chapter 8 a little bit. We've got a, a few moments. I'd like to at least get a few more minutes in. Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. So the sum is the everything added up and equaled together. So everything he said up until this point, he's, he's dovetailing. It's almost like preaching a message and you conclude it. That's what he's doing here. He is bringing everything up to a sum. We have such an high, we have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle 
which the Lord pitched, and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there were priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to, to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Do you see that? Okay. Now when we get into the next lesson, and we'll probably do it live on Sunday afternoon, because I won't be preaching Sunday morning, so I'll be itching Sunday afternoon for sure. So we'll probably just do a live cast sometime Sunday afternoon. But when we get into it, we're going to get into uh, how much better it is, how much better the new way is. But he's summing it up here, and he's summing it up. And again, this is important to you and I, but imagine that you were... A Jew. Imagine you were a Hebrew Jew and your entire life was wrapped up in the Old Testament law and the Old Testament rituals and the Old Covenant and the Old Economy. And now you find that you don't have to do that anymore. Well, how is that relevant and practical to you and I? Here's how. For some of you, you have spent life trying to do better and to be better and to turn over new leaves and to turn over again, and to try to do it again, and to try to live the Christian life, and to make this effort, and I'm going to do better now. And I'm going to... You've tried and tried and tried and tried. It should be news and joy and bliss to your soul to understand that the trying has already been accomplished and completed by our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not up to you. It's not up to your work. It's not up to your effort. It's not up to you making attempts and trying. You should try to live for Him, sure. You should give yourself to Him. You should offer daily sacrifice, not for your sins, but just as a living sacrifice and walking with God. But concerning your standing with God, it's not what you do, it's not how clean you are. It's not how perfect you're attempting to be. It's not you slipping up or not slipping up. It's all based on Christ and what he did on the cross and his death, burial, and resurrection and the fact that he's coming again. And in between that time period of his ascension and him coming again, he's ever living to make intercession for us. That means he's praying for us. He's going, an interceder, an intercessor is one that goes on the behalf of another. So Christ is going to God on behalf of me and behalf of you. He's our lawyer. He's our advocate. He's our intercessor. He's our stand-in. Would you take these things that I'm saying to heart and would you allow them to help you fall deeper in love with our Lord. Good night. God bless. I love you all. Have a great evening.